Aquarius is a three-person business with nearly 30 years of entertainment experience between them, them being local musician Zachary Perkins, local comedian Patty Dwyer, and local videographer-slash-musician Dalton Roan, a.k.a. Daltonius. If you need help getting that song radio ready, getting the music video done, putting on the retelling of Othello for your sister's gender reveal party, they're here to help guide you and construct the pathway you need to put those ideas into real life. On Sunday, June 27th at the District Green on Howard and Biloxi, you'll find Zach and Patty hosting their monthly open night comedy and music event. Uh, This month, they will have uh, guest hosts comedian Craig Williams and Katia. Be sure to not only follow Aquarius on Facebook and Instagram, but also Zachary Perkins to stay in the know on his upcoming album, Inertia. Daltinius is dropping his second music video. And of course, Patty Dwyer for her upcoming features and showcases. This episode is also brought to you by that dirty motherfucker, BJ DeBlow. He knows what he did. He was going to start his own podcast, but he was chicken shit. (laughs) I started the music too early. (laughs) You faked me out. Ooh, that music means it's time for the Open Micers Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. I am one sweaty boy, Jacob. Yeah, Craig. same here. And I'll go hot. ahead and let it is so hot. I'll go ahead and let you introduce our guest, Jason, since since you have much more experience with him than I do. Yeah, I don't know this guy at all. I, I I've never we've never spoken before. Uh, What's my name again? I, I don't know. Uh, well, he is that is a Blackwood eighty two song? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Stacy's mom. Uh, let's see, uh, but he's a a writer producer. Uh, director, podcaster, and co-host of the Nerd Cave Retro Show, host Ooh. of the Derek Diamond Experience, and one of my best friends, Mr. Derek Diamond. How's it going, guys? Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed what you guys have been doing on your show, so Thank glad, you, to, glad to be a part of it. So, Absolutely. So how have you been? How's the, uh, how's the podcasting life these days? Well, it's been a l- little bit more challenging just because of my work situation, but still still doing Nerd Cave Retro when I can, still doing the Derek Diamond experience when I can. So it's it's made it, in a way, it's kind of forced me to improve the way I schedule things, which is probably a good thing in the long run, but um, you know, making it work how I can. But it's it's still been fun. I've had a lot of good guests on the last few weeks, so... It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I was going to say, anybody that listens to this show um, will definitely like Derek's show, The Derek Diamond Experience, because it's sort of like this show, only way better. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. Derek's way more professional and talks to, you know, all kinds. Of, like, he's had yeah. so many professional uh, people in the film industry on uh, The Derek Diamond Experience that, uh, like I, I can't even imagine like all the people you've talked to over the years. How long have you been doing that show? So I started the Derek Diamond Experience in March of 2014. Mm. So a little over seven years. And funny trivia note, and Jason, I don't even know if you know this. You were actually the first person I had on my show that I didn't know personally yeah. at the time. <laughs> that was like because I had heard you on you know the pop culture palette. And uh, I thought you had an interesting backstory with your music career and everything. So yeah. who, who would know that that conversation would turn into, you know, us becoming as good of friends as we are and yeah. now doing our own show together. It's weird to think Derek Diamond experience has been going on for seven years. Like I think about it now and like Nerd Cave Retro has been going on five years five at years. this yeah. point. Way too long. <laughs> <laughs> so long. 
and like Dude, that's this time that's of the an year. Interesting point. I usually, I usually, uh, Derek has to take some some time off because of his work schedule right. with the uh, the Blue Wahoos, and usually I have uh, you know special guests come in to to co-host with me. And normally it's Wally, and I will never, I don't think I'll ever ask Jacob to be on that show. Why? <laughs> I I I retro game, bro. I you're game. Not even, you're not even old enough to be retro yourself, kid. I'm about the age of a PS2. PS2 just got aged in. <laughs> I think. He does have a point there. Yeah, true. Yeah, I guess. Bring so. him but... on to review a PS2 game. Exactly. What that would be your first PS2 game you ever reviewed, wouldn't it? I think so. I don't know if we have reviewed a PS2 like a one that's known for being a PS2 game. At least so we right. haven't really got into the PS2 and Xbox uh, genre yet, which is crazy because in November is going to be the 20 year anniversary of the original Halo. Oh, wow. You guys have to do the original Halo. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've, I've got some fun stories to tell just from playing Halo, you know, because yeah. I was, I think I was a sophomore in high school when Halo came out. And that's what we did Friday and Saturday nights. We'd go over to a friend's house, have LAN parties, have like four TVs, four Xboxes. The amount of pizza and Mountain Dew Code Red <laughs> that I consumed <laughs> during that time was staggering. Oh, I don't yeah. think it, it, Jacob. Have you ever experienced? Like you're, you're a young one. You're 21. Yeah. Um, have you ever experienced a land party? I have actually. Uh, people don't don't realize that the the land party. You have to be a little younger than me to have not experienced it because it kind of aged out after like Halo Three. Because you can still do yeah. hate land parties with Halo Three, and that's the game that I grew up with when I was um, maybe about. Uh, anywhere from the range of ten to twelve, I would pl- I would play Halo Three with uh, my my brother and my two foster brothers, and we would yeah. have a, a LAN party here with the four of us. I think the last LAN party I had was two thousand, the summer of two thousand eight, and then after that, it was all online. After that, yep, yeah. By the time you get to about, I think Halo Reach, uh, yeah. the LAN party's kind of aged out, and and Halo Reach is a good game as well, and I think. Yeah. Oh, I, I think Reach is actually underrated when yeah. it comes to the Halo. It has one of the best stories. It's very Rogue One-esque yeah. for Absolutely. those who have never played it. But um, yeah, I think Halo 3 was the last game I remember doing, like a physical LAN party. And it was funny enough, that was the game that inspired me to get Xbox Live because I was tired of getting my ass kicked <laughs> in Halo all the time. <laughs> so it like, forced me to, to get it so I could actually be somewhat competitive. I remember trying out Xbox Live on the original Xbox for Halo 2. And uh, I, I don't really, I can't remember how, if, if it worked well or really anything. I, I remember trying it, but I don't remember how hard it was to, to connect to servers and stuff like that. I mean, I imagine it was okay but you know we were still we were in that transition from dial up to uh to you know cable internet um and then there was uh what was the other one the d dsl dsl yeah yep yeah i had dsl for a a way too long a giant chunk of my (laughs) teenage years because we were poor so it's like we we started when i was i was basically born in the 90s by proxy just because that's the technology we had, and we finally upgraded to DSL when I was like fourteen. Yeah, I think I got cable internet somewhere around two thousand two, two thousand three, somewhere around there. Um, but really, I mean, there, at that time, you know, there wasn't 
streaming or anything. It was strictly yeah. for I had a computer. And even the computer I had at that time, like around 2003, 2004, it was like a, a Windows 95, like almost 10-year-old computer at that point. So it was like really slow and clunky. Whenever I think of Windows, I still think of that 95 yeah. open screen, <laughs> like with the, the blue sky and the clouds in the background. Yeah. Yeah. So iconic. Uh, but yeah. To, to Jacob, Jacob doesn't remember the, uh, the, the, the struggle we had when we were younger, like trying to connect to AOL. <laughs> you just remember the sound. Beep, uh, I, I definitely had that. I, my internet still went through the phone for <laughs> uh, way too long, like much longer than it should have during my life. The but worst part's to, when to, you're trying to download the latest picture of uh, Christy. What was her name? The most downloaded woman on the internet at the time. What was her name? Uh, oh, what was it? What was it? I can look that up real quick, but you get like halfway through with her picture and then like grandma calls and knocks you <laughs> off the internet. <laughs> what is it, a porn star? No, uh, most downloaded woman on the internet. What was her name? Trisha uh, Paytas? Hold on. That's a deep cut. Do you guys know that meme that's been going around of Anakin and Padme from... Uh, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. yeah. There was one that had the Internet Explorer logo on it, and it had, like, the top third of it was the meme, and the the bottom two-thirds was just a white screen. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. I saw Cindy that. Cindy Margolis. She still has a website, too, cindymargolis.com. Why was she special? I. She was just hot. <laughs> and she didn't she even would, do porn? No, she did, like, uh, bathing suit, like, uh, swimsuit pictures and stuff. Oh, she's like a swimsuit model. Yeah. Sports Illustrated, yeah. I understand. Yeah, oh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. But so I want to put something into perspective for our listeners. So 2014 is when the Derek Diamond experience started. In 2014, I was a freshman in high school, halfway through puberty. Like <laughs> that was so long ago. So when you started the Derek Diamond experience in 2014, did you ever think that you would be like talking to people as high up in the entertainment industry as you talk to now? Oh, absolutely not. No, I did it as a sense of. So I had been doing another show at that point for a little less than a year. And growing up, I was always fascinated by hearing celebrity stories, like mostly people who worked in the film industry, but others as well, like famous authors, musicians. But I was always fascinated with how they got to where they are. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, as a kid reading autobiographies from various wrestlers, actors, and I decided to do my own show to find that information out. And also, it forced me to cure several of my social anxieties that I had growing up. I developed really bad uh, social anxieties when I was a teenager. So high school wasn't exactly fun for me. Yeah. So, <laughs> soon, after, so soon after that, I, I looked at it as a way to say, okay, well, now you have to chat with people that you've never met. You have to. I learned in some ways how to have conversations. By doing my own show so that that's why you know my show will always have uh, a special meaning to me for that reason well, i don't know if people know this um you know people that are just watching this and and finding out who you are i mean the the cool thing about podcasting is um not only did it happen to me but you know you making some of the connections that you did through podcasting being a part of the gulf coast film community you eventually ended up making your own short film uh, the Parker syndrome, which won some awards in the uh, the festival circuit. 
Yeah, so film was something that I knew probably in my freshman year of college that it was something I wanted to try because we had a, the school I went to had a, a television broadcasting program. And I remember taking my first production class. And from that moment, I knew that that was what I wanted to do. And it's funny because I don't consider myself to be a very sociable person. Like I keep to myself a lot. I'm not as sociable as some people might think, but my favorite aspect of filmmaking is the collaboration, like getting different people together who might have, you know, different beliefs or from different parts of the world, but they all come together to make this one thing happen. That's why I say every movie that's made is a miracle because it takes so many people to make it happen. And, you know, it it took several people to make the Parker syndrome happen. And that was an idea that I had had when I got out of college because I just wanted to make something. But I didn't really know what. I just wanted to get some friends together and you know, make some silly videos, wherever the case may be. But um, I had compiled the story that became the original version of the Parker Syndrome that was a little bit longer. It was about 45 minutes in length. Um, and then in 2017, I want to say it was, I went back and watched it again for the first time in years. And I thought, well, if I were to make this now, I would do like X, Y, and Z differently. And then I thought, I know enough people who work in film around here. Why don't I just do it? And then there were some bumps along the way, but, you know, in December of 2018, and Jason was also one of the many people who mm-hmm. uh, lended their, their time to, um, to help me out. And, yeah, I and learned how happen. to, so, that was a movie I learned how to do sound on. Yeah, you got a crash course in sound. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the most fun sets uh, I'd ever really been on because, you know, Monsters Anonymous, uh, which was my film, Ugh, was so go. stressful. <laughs> like it was one of the most stressful things in my life. Even though it was, it was, it was fun, but it was stressful. Doing Survey with Steve was great, but holy hell, it was hot. We we made that movie in the middle of summer in Pensacola, Florida. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was hot. Uh, <laughs> you know, the crazy thing is, like we shot Survey around this time. Yeah. Back in 2017. And man, it feels just as hot. Yep. It's, it is awful. But with Parker syndrome, you know, it was cool because I was learning something new. Uh, and Kevin Almodovar, who was the cinematographer um, of Servi and Parker syndrome, you know, he taught me how to do sound and he's a wonderful teacher. Like the dude is just like, can explain something very easily in like five minutes to where you're like, oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. 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 I can do this. And then to watch you and him set up shots. And then, of course, Steve's there, who was the director of Servi, and watching him kind of mentor you and how to direct a movie, which I'm sort of absorbing things from him because he's telling you how to do things. It was like, that was the movie set where I think I learned the most being on that set. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's that's, that's really cool. No, it's, it's funny because I felt like, I was the least experienced person on set, but I was the director. But everybody that was there that had experience, like Kevin and Steve and all those guys, they were, it was, they didn't act like, you know, like, oh, he's the, he just wants, he's this guy wants to be a director. Like, no, they were just like, okay, here's how you do things. Like actually teaching you and being collaborative and the Parker syndrome, like it's up on YouTube now, right? Mm -hmm. If you go watch it, the Parker syndrome, it has this. One, which I thought you guys were nuts 
when you were going to do the shot, there's a party scene that's like a five minute shot that's there's no cuts. It's like everybody had to be, we had to uh, just rehearse this thing like 50 times before we did it. Everybody had to be in certain spots, you know, for as the sound guy. I had to start in one place, move around, not make any noise, try to get into another spot, hide from the camera. And like all the stuff that went into that, making that five minute continuous shot was just nuts. I thought you guys were crazy, but you pulled it off. Yeah, I thought the same thing too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish I had recorded the conversation when I, because Kevin and I had talked on the phone a couple of days before the weekend of shooting. And I explained to him what I wanted to do. And I'll just say, I wish I had recorded that phone call because he's like, <laughs> he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, because I had a backup plan in yeah. case, you know, because I wanted to go through it a few times. And if it just wasn't working, we would have shot it in a different way. But um, Andrew, who was who played um, the Ethan character, who turns out to be the villain. Mm -hmm. uh, spoilers for those who haven't seen it yet. But um, <laughs> he he had to leave early to go to um, another audition. So we had to be done by a certain time. So I pulled Steve and Kevin aside and, you know, we talked about what would be the best thing to do. And Kevin thought that he could make it work. So, and sure enough, he did. I mean, we did it. I think, I think we did seven takes of it. Yeah. I remember the sixth, the sixth one was, was just about perfect, but I wanted to do it one more time just for safety. Mm -hmm. And we did it and it was, it was perfect. Now I remember we even pulled it up on the monitor. Uh, after it was over so that mm -hmm. all the cast could watch it yeah. and it was it was really cool to see and it was nerve-wracking too especially being like the sound guy because i'm <laughs> like please please don't let anything fuck up please yeah. <laughs> press that a shuffle press record. i heard a footstep god damn it robbins <laughs> press record make sure it's recorded because if we get through this whole thing and I look down, and it's not recording. I'm literally going to slip my wrist right there in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but look, five minute continuous shots. That's what that's what wins awards. Yeah, man. that's that's what it takes. And so you you mentioned you know going back and watching it, and now you would do things differently. Now obviously you've you know progressed. You you understand the industry a lot more. Have you had that itch to kind of you know? direct another movie, write another movie, you know, make another film? So I have written another script, and I've been kind of working on it off and on really over the last, I'd say, year or so. And it's, it's just about to the point of where I think it's, it's good to go. There's a little bit I want to polish, especially with the ending. But I, I do hope to shoot it um, maybe sometime in the fall or somewhere between probably September and, and the end of the year. So, yeah, I've definitely been getting the itch to to do another short absolutely i think that's something that all, all, all creative people go through is you, you start getting that that itch it's like oh yeah i gotta i gotta start doing yeah. this again it's been way too long since and i've actually shot something it's sort yeah. of like what i imagine like you know how women can you know have a baby and then uh, you know you would think why would you ever want to go through that again but there's some chemical in women's brains that make you forget all the bad stuff and make you make them actually yeah. want to have another child. I think that's what happens when that's you make crazy. A, when you make a film <laughs> because there's it's so stressful and just like makes you like you're on the verge of a panic attack for like at least a month while you're making a short film until it's done and then you're like 
this is the great it's like that endorphin hit it's just like holy crap it's done it's here i get to show it to the world and then you're like i can't wait to do this again that was the most fun thing yeah. ever yet you were just like a month ago you were just like i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> yeah it's definitely uh you know suffering versus the payoff yeah because you go through all that and at the end you're like i have a baby yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's worth it because you have the baby well, it's funny you mentioned the, the anxiety portion because I definitely did have that leading up to the weekend that we shot it. And even when we filmed the first scene, because I know we started late and I was just, you know, I had so much running through my mind. Like my mind was like a roller coaster. And I remember Steve telling me after that, that first day, he's like, I couldn't really tell. I was like, well, that's good because I know I definitely <laughs> could. But no, Steve was a, a very invaluable help to me because I couldn't tell you the amount of hours that he spent helping me plan everything as far as like what we should film day one, what we should film day two, what scene should we film first and so on and so forth. And it, it was really cool to see, you know, everybody come together to, to help me out. And even those who, you know, like my friend Zach drove over, um, drove like half an hour just for us to use his car yeah. for one scene. <laughs> and then, you know, the, some friends of mine let us use their house for an entire day and I remember being nervous to ask them and before I even finished explaining like oh I'm gonna have x number of people over it's probably gonna take this long they just said absolutely take as long as you need that was such a nice house too I was just like I hope nobody breaks anything <laughs> I know the, so when you walk in like you go to the right and there's like this li the living room area that you know a good portion of the the indoor scenes were filmed and they had this really huge piano off in the corner and I'm like and that just it just makes the place look so much classier but that yeah. house was built I think in like the 1910s yeah so it's, it's a really old house like it's a really old neighborhood you can definitely tell it's like it's a really nice old house but it's been renovated with to like look modern and it's like I don't know it reminds me of like one of those uh like New Orleans shotgun houses but like yeah. way bigger you know yeah yeah, it was, that was probably my favorite place to film. And I mean, it was cool to, you know, wreck my house and turn it into a, <laughs> into a frat zone. Yeah, your house became the party zone. <laughs> well, it's funny because originally we were going to use the family home for the party scene. But then I was like, well, if we break something, yeah. I'd rather be something at my house than, <laughs> you know, the, somebody else's. But well, luckily you uh, have a pretty sizable living room too. So it was. Thankfully. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was cool going back and because I when I posted the, the film on YouTube, it was the first time I had watched it from start to finish since we had the premiere for it. And I, I not to you know pat myself on the back too much, but I'm like that that turned out pretty darn good. Yeah, it did turn out really good. I was I was quite proud of you after it was done. Yeah, it was. And, and fortunately, we got to do a, a premiere for it. Um, I think it was July of 2019 and um because i remember jason you were on another set the weekend that we did it i don't remember no it was you were filming um what was the film that we showed at the the festival that i put on oh that was um what was the name of that yeah altars yeah yeah i was yeah, in new orleans for that. That. i was yeah. in a really nice house in new orleans for yeah. that one <laughs> yeah you were yeah and um Earlier that day, I had moderated a filmmaking panel uh, here in Pensacola, and 
uh, the, the people who ran it mentioned that we were doing the premiere uh, that same night. And about, I'd say, 10 to 15 people from that panel went to the premiere that I didn't even know. Oh, that's awesome. So we, I remember having, like, I thought we'd get maybe 30 people. And we packed out the little room that we had it in. There was, I think, 67 or 68 people total. And I just remember thinking, oh, God, I'm going to have an anxiety attack. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it, was a cool, it was a cool moment. You know, the, the cool thing about being a part of uh, this kind of this coastal filmmaking community is, like, I don't even care about trying to make or trying to be in, like, huge productions now. Uh, even, you know, because I, I don't even want to, I, I just don't want to do it, but. The thought of making more mo- more movies with you and Steve, like that's the exciting stuff to me. Like I'm ready to make that stuff now. Yeah, for sure. I- I'm hoping that for my next project, we can get you know as many of the same crew as possible. I mean, there's ser- definitely several other people in the community that I want to work with, but yeah. I-, I think and there were some people that you know the Parker Syndrome was their first set. You know, mm-hmm. this-, this guy I know, Brandon Purdue, who's a local photographer he started getting gigs as a sound guy because he got inspired to do it from being on set of the Parker syndrome. Wow. Like that was the first set he had ever been on. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so you know, I've, I've recently, you know, well, not really recently, but I, I've always kind of wanted to try my hand at acting being a pure standup. Cause that's kind of the next level of things that you do as a standup. You kind of naturally go into acting. So if, if there's anyone on this coastal scene, that wants to get into like directing, writing, producing, acting, whatever, you know, what, what would your advice to them be? Like, what should they go about to actually get into this sort of filmmaking community down here? Well, on Facebook, there's a great page called the Emerald Coast Film Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find, you can do anything from introduce yourself. Um, you talk about what you do. There are also people who post, you know, what they might need, whether it's a camera op, actors, extras, and once I think they're going to start doing these monthly again, but before COVID hit, we would do monthly meetups mm. at local breweries in town. And obviously, you know, COVID shut that down and we did a few virtual meetups and then those kind of stopped happening. But you know, the, the in-person meetups are starting to happen again. So that's always a good opportunity. You know, face-to-face networking is always really good. I, I just think getting your name out there and you know, letting people know what you can do, what you can do to help contribute to their project or what you might need for yours. It's all about building relationships. Yeah. Even, even if you just, if you've never been on a set before, even if you get on there, like uh, on that page, just be like, hey, I've never been on a set, but I would really like to, to do something um, and learn some things. People are always willing to teach you how to do something. Absolutely. And that's the great thing about this community, too, is that it's not like a, you know, not everyone's competitive with each other and trying Mm -hmm. to hide trade secrets or anything like that. It's everybody wants to help because, you know, if you get better, that makes the community better. Mm -hmm. So it's the opposite of comedy. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have nearly the experience you guys do in comedy, but. Oh, it's the exact opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Totally different. Yeah. Uh, that's unfortunate. But that's, that's good, man. So, if, I mean, if anyone's listening that wants to get into this and, and do what uh, what Derek does as far as writing a production, definitely check out that uh, 
that Facebook group. Hey, Jacob. Yeah? We got to tell the listeners about Brez Coffee Company. Oh, they're coffee for gamers by gamers. That's them. 100% free trade Colombian coffee roasted right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. Sounds perfect for all-night gaming sessions, no matter what kind of gamer you are. Video games, tabletop, card games, Brez has what you need to keep sharp. They got all kind of flavors to choose from, like good for gaming light roast or the necro medium. See, I like a good dark roast, like the critical gaming dark. You can even add flavors to your coffee, like iCast Fireball, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. Can't decide what you want? Then just try their specialty sample pack. Whatever your coffee of choice is, they got you covered. Head on over to BrezCoffeeCompany.com and use the code OMPODCAST to check out for 10% off of your order. Amazing! Uh, recently on your show, I know you've had on a lot of uh, people that I've been impressed with, including the uh, the Carbonells, um, Nestor and his wife. Um, Shannon. You know, yes, Shannon mm-hmm. Carbonell. Thank you. I was blanking on her name. Uh, one half of Tag Team. Uh, all kinds of all kinds of people. I mean, what what's been your favorite conversation you've had recently with these bigger names you've been been able to get on? Um, well, those two that you mentioned, and those were two that I didn't expect. You know, I, I never expect to say, "Oh, I'm going to land," you know, an A list actor or actress or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of, and I'm sure you guys have had experience with this too, is that there there's a little bit of luck involved. When it comes to getting guests, you know, sometimes it just has to be right place, right time, right moment, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Um, I I really enjoyed the the DC Glenn conversation, the the one half tag team, because it wasn't what I expected at all. I I figured we'd talk about how he came up with the song "Whoop There It Is." Did you ask him how much they, they got paid for that uh, commercial that they just did for "Scoop There It I, Is"? I didn't ask how much he got paid, but he they were very hands-on. Like the, the two guys from Tag Team were very hands-on with what they did in making that commercial happen. Like they brought up some ideas. Like they, they had the idea to use the sprinkles. Mm-hmm. And the director was like, all right, they'll be on set tomorrow. And sure enough, they brought this giant thing of sprinkles for them to use at the end whenever he, they do the LeBron James like sprinkles but it was that was just a really inspirational chat with him saying that you know he's become his own publicist because it's up to yourself to market yourself yeah. is essentially what he was trying to say and honestly like I felt ready to fight the world when that conversation was over just because like he he really like fired me up to you know, go out there and, you know, make the right connections and put forth that little bit of extra effort. Um, and then the, the Carbonell conversation was, was cool too, because you got to really hear a, a different side of the acting world with them talking about, you know, like Nestor having to go off to Hawaii to film Lost and Shannon deciding to retire from acting to raise their family. Hearing, you know, the, like the pain she went through to give that up, but knowing that she did the right thing. And then, like, hearing the, the struggles of what actors go through with balancing their job with their home life, I think, is something that you don't really get to hear all the time. Absolutely. And I, I imagine it's even harder for actors who are, you know, don't do that for a living. Mm-hmm. You know, on smaller scales, having to try to leave your family and being like, yeah, I'm just scraping it, trying to make it, trying to, trying to do something. Yeah, it was it was very unique 
uh, I feel as far as like what we talked about. But, you know, I, I've been, I, I've said this to myself, you know, on many occasions, and I've told this to, you know, my fiance and other people as well. If for some reason I decided to retire my show, like I would look back and I would be so fortunate with the people mm. that I've gotten to chat with over the years, like people that I grew up, you know, idolizing their work and thinking there's no way I'd ever get to have conversations with these people. Yeah. And I've been fortunate enough to do it. So I, I consider myself, you're very lucky in, in that sense. Not only that, but over on Nerd Cave Retro, you talked to somebody pretty cool not too long ago, but the voice of Bowser <laughs> you talked yeah, to not Kenny too James. long ago. Kenny James. Yeah, that, that was cool in the sense that, you know, when that opportunity came up and I remember texting you and I was like, so I think I can interview the voice of Bowser for our show. And I think we were both like, let's not say anything. Yeah. <laughs> and we just dropped it as a surprise for everybody. And mm -hmm. it was worth it because I remember in the Discord chat, everybody's like, oh my God, it's the voice of Bowser. So <laughs> that, that was a fun, that was a fun chat too. And I, I know there's some, some voice actors from several notable games coming up for Pensacon next year that hopefully we can get on, including the first voice of Princess Zelda. And now we need to get Charles Martinet on the show too. Cause yeah. <laughs> complete we we got to get him and then the voice of peach so we can complete yeah. complete the mario trinity hell yeah yeah so we have uh just a little bit of time here left we have about six minutes i think on the zoom timer um before we start wrapping everything up uh we haven't actually talked about nerd cave retro all that much which has had not as uh long not as much longevity as the Derek diamond experience but it's been around for a very long time. So what is it for both of you? Uh, what is it that about nerd cave retro that makes you keep wanting to do it every week? And that, and that makes people keep wanting to watch it every week. For me, uh, I me mean, first or, oh, go ahead. I, I just like talking with Derek. <laughs> He's one of my best friends. And we, we, that's how we kind of started. Our friendship was talking about like retro game stuff. So when that show started, you know, it was only supposed to be like a seasonal show. We were going to do it like six shows a season, like uh, six shows in the winter, six shows in the summer. And then we did like the first episode <clears throat> and immediately got like hundreds of downloads. We were like, holy mm. crap. You know, this might be just like a one-off thing. So let's see what happens. And we got to the second, third, fourth episode. We were still pulling those numbers and we were like, we should just keep doing this like all the time. And then, here we are five years later, still doing it. Yeah, I remember, you know, because Jason and I both did, you know, previous shows before we started Nerd Cave Retro, and we would do collaborations every now and then. And I, I, Jason, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I felt like out of everyone's dynamic, I felt you and I clicked the most. Yeah. And I remember you started getting back into collecting games. That got me into collecting games, and then you texted me out of the blue and you're like hey what do you think about doing a retro gaming podcast and i was all for it because yeah. i'm an only child so i had to find ways to entertain myself as a kid and mm -hmm. video games were a big part of that so for me it was a no-brainer and I, I like jason said i consider jason to be one of my best friends and i enjoy just us talking about things we love every week and you know at the time it was like i i was looking i was I'm, i've always been big into podcasting and I was looking for retro gaming shows and there weren't any, there was like maybe one or two. So I was like, well, let's just do this and make it ourselves. And 
you know, here we got kind of in the that niche market of retro game podcasts, and it was like no brainer. Like as soon as our show dropped, like people were looking for it, and like I said, we got hundreds of downloads on that first episode, and it just kept growing from there. So, like it's a no brainer. Just we're just going to keep it going until we die, or <laughs> one of us dies, yeah. and then we'll just keep going until till, Jason dies. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to die first. But <laughs> uh, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can only hope. But, but um yeah, we need to go ahead and start wrapping it up and Derek, thanks yeah. for coming on the show, man. Thank yeah, so no, this much, was buddy. a blast. Like I said, you know, I've enjoyed what you guys have been doing with the show since it started and you know, had had my fingers crossed that eventually I would be on it. So oh, yeah. I appreciate oh. the invite and this was fun. Yeah, real quick before we go, Derek, you were one of the first people that we came to a consensus on to have as our one of our first guests a year ago, and it just <laughs> oh, never yeah. happened. It just never happened hey, until now. It all it always finds a way to work out sometimes. So always, so always. tell everybody where they can find you on the interwebs. Yes, yeah, so you can follow the Derek Diamond Experience on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Diamond Podcast. New episodes drop every Thursday wherever you get your fine podcast free. The video versions are also on YouTube. Just search for the Derek Diamond Experience. Uh, if you want to check out the Parker Syndrome, that's on YouTube as well under the Parker Syndrome or Anchor of Reality Films. Awesome. And don't forget the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast that me yep. and Derek do every single week. Uh, and actually, if you're watching on Twitch right now, we'll be back in about uh, 25 minutes doing Nerd Cave Retro tonight. So stick around and you can watch us talk about uh, what are you what are you doing tonight? What are you reviewing this evening? I am reviewing Cuphead. Ooh, Cuphead. Oh. Cuphead's. I can't wait for the Netflix show. We got to when I that know. comes out, we should do a round table right here about oh, Cuphead. 100%. I'm I'm down 100%. for that. But uh let's go ahead and get out of here. If you want to email us, you can email us at openmicerspodcast@gmail.com at openmicers on Twitter and the Instagrams now. We're on the Instagram at openmicers and of course openmicers podcast on Facebook, OM Podcast uh, for our Patreon and uh, tpublic.com slash openmicerspodcast. Go get you a soup shirt and we'll see you guys next Wednesday. <laughs>